Welcome to Sermons from San Diego, a podcast of preaching at Mission Hills United Church of Christ. I'm the Reverend Dr. David Barr, but please just call me David. I invite you to listen and come along as we try to follow the teachings of Jesus and the wisdom of Scripture to build a world that is more open, inclusive, just, and compassionate. And now for today's sermon. So I grew up in a little country church with very traditional gender roles. I mean, women cooked and served and men built and repaired. And in fact, the men of our church, mostly farmers, literally built our church building. Boys helped the men fix things and girls helped in the kitchen, which is why it was a little odd, as I've mentioned before, that I preferred to be in the kitchen washing and drying dishes after a potluck or community supper, but... I just thought their conversations were more interesting than fertilizer and crop rotation. So in our rural North Dakota setting, churches often had an annual dinner for the whole community. The small town where I went to school only had two churches, Lutheran and Lutheran. One Lutheran church had an annual ham dinner, and the other Lutheran church always served a dinner of Swedish meatballs, which is kind of odd because they're all Norwegians. But people drove from miles around for those meatballs and boiled potatoes. One year, one of the organizers had a hip replacement and couldn't be there to supervise the potatoes. She worried they would use boxed potatoes to avoid the pain of peeling them all. The pastor went to visit Helen one day before the event and assured her that there were women at the church that very morning peeling potatoes. He said, you must sure love cooking. And she replied, oh, heavens no, I don't love cooking at all, but I love Jesus, and this is what I can do for him. I love Jesus, and this is what I can do for him. We all have our ways. And so, speaking of those traditional gender roles, today's scripture passage makes me feel a little uncomfortable because it seems to affirm them, or at least not question them. Of course, it's in the Bible, so what should I expect? But, you know, the men were at the synagogue all day and came home hungry, likely expecting to be fed, but the one expected to feed them was in bed with a fever. Fevers were a big deal and couldn't be addressed by simply taking an Advil. But Jesus had other other ideas. He knelt down beside Simon's mother-in-law, took her hand and raised her up. He restored her to health, and she jumped right up to serve them. Now, even so, for the life of me, I can't understand why Simon couldn't have just said, Hey, Ma, take it easy. I'll make some sandwiches for the guy, guys. But maybe it's because she loved Jesus, and this is what she could do for him. And yet it still makes me a little uncomfortable. So let's dig, a, let's, let's dig deeper. <clears throat> Does Jesus intend to reinforce traditional gender roles. And for this, so let's go back to the beginning of Mark. We're right here in chapter 1. Mark's always in a hurry. There's, There's no stories about Jesus' birth like Matthew and Luke, and there's no placing him in the context of the cosmic universe like the Gospel of John. So Mark 1, verse 1, begins with how John the Baptist fulfills Isaiah's prophecy of a messenger sent to prepare the way for the Messiah, and bam! By verse 4, John is already baptizing people, calling them to change their hearts and lives. 
And just five short verses later, Jesus is baptized, and then immediately, just one of Mark's favorite words, always in a hurry, <clears throat> Jesus was forced into the wilderness for 40 days and tempted by Satan. But Mark doesn't bother with any other details like the other Gospels, except to say this. He was among the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. So now we're just 14 verses in, and John's arrested, and Jesus began preaching. Now is the time. Change your hearts and lives. He passed by some fishermen and called out to them to, to follow him, and Suddenly, he had his first four disciples, and they went to the synagogue, and Jesus started teaching. And it says, the people were amazed. And why? Because he wasn't like the legal experts who simply read interpretations of the law. You know, imagine the excitement of listening to someone read the phone book. But nothing dull about him. Jesus stood there and said, now is the time. Change your hearts and lives. But in the midst of this, someone with an evil spirit yelled out to him, and Jesus told the demon to be silent and come out of the man. And the demon shook and screamed, and it did leave the man, leaving everyone shaken who watched this happen. I mean, how can he do such a thing? And immediately news about Jesus spread throughout the region. And that's when Jesus and his four disciples left the synagogue and went to Simon's house to eat and rest. Just a day on the job, I can only imagine those new first four disciples wondering what they had gotten themselves into, but at least it wouldn't be boring. They arrived at Simon's house and discovered his mother-in-law was in bed with fever. Jesus healed her. And so now news about the demon at the synagogue and news about Simon's mother-in-law spread. And by that night, the whole town was crowded outside the door of the house, begging to see Jesus. People brought loved ones and neighbors who were sick or demon-possessed to have Jesus heal them. And it went on all night. So in the morning, Jesus tried to find a deserted place where he could pray alone. Because imagine the exhaustion of so many desperate people crying out in need. But they tracked him down, and so Jesus and his four disciples left town so they could go spread the news in other places. We're not even in chapter 2 yet, but Mark's in such a hurry for Jesus to share this good news. You too can change your hearts and lives. But back to Simon's unnamed mother-in-law. I would love to just give her a name, right? So maybe something like Blanche or Henrietta. She's notable, in part because she's the first woman who appears in the gospel. And yet, why is she so defined by a traditional gender role? But you know what? With Jesus, there's often more than what's on the surface. So let's dig a little deeper. So the word that gets stuck in my craw is serve. Now, on its own, it's a great word. But in the context of there's hungry men, so go serve them some dinner, well, that's another thing. But it turns out Mark chose a word that does indeed have a deeper meaning. In fact, it's the same word used just a few verses before when, remember, Jesus was in the, de in the wilderness tempted by Satan and the angels served him. 
So another way to translate that one Greek word used in two different settings is ministered. As in angels ministered to Jesus. And in the same way, Simon's mother-in-law ministered to Jesus. And with that, one commentator called her the first deacon in the church, and another called her a disciple, one of the first to quietly demonstrate a way to follow Jesus. Now, what's the difference? To serve someone versus ministering to someone? Well, to me, there's more. Synonyms for ministered include tended to or nursed and comforted. It's definitely more than fixed him some dinner, though maybe she did that too, if that's what he needed, because to minister to someone is to listen to what they need, even if all they need is someone to listen. And to minister to a community is to do what the community needs that you have the gift to fulfill. Now, this church is full of ministers, and not folks who are ordained, though we have our fair share. They are folks like you who see a need and do it, and often never noticed. So I want to be clear that to serve is not a bad thing. And I'm not even saying that gender roles are a bad thing. But there is so much more to Simon's mother-in-law than jumping up to fix dinner. You know, James and John, those new disciples, well, they were there that day, but they didn't get this, apparently. Uh, They saw this whole thing happen, but still had the nerve to approach Jesus one day and say, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Mm, uh, Okay, what's that? We want to sit next to you in your glory, one at your right hand and one at your left. Face palm holding back the desire to curse them out, or, okay, my desire for Jesus to curse them out, he simply replied, well, whoever wishes to be great must be your servant. And he added, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Yeah, Jesus said about himself the same thing, used the same word as Simon's mother-in-law. She is an example, an extraordinary example, of a disciple. In fact, one more thing about her. Remember how she lay in bed with a fever? Well, Jesus came, took her hand, and, quote, raised her up. Now, the only other time Mark uses that specific word, raised, is about Jesus himself. It's at the very end of Mark, the second to the last verse, the Women who came to prepare the body of Jesus for burial were told he was not there because he had been, quote, raised up. You see, Simon's mother-in-law is definitely not a gender stereotype. And this passage is not confirmation that a woman's place is in the kitchen, as if you can believe, but of course you can. Some male commentators have said that this passage proves... So again, to minister to someone is to listen to what they need, even if all they need is someone to listen. To minister to a community is to do what the community needs that you have the gift to fulfill. And as I said, this church is full of ministers, folks like you, 
who see a need and some are out front and others way in ways that no one knows Jerry McInerney highlighted this in her moderators column a few weeks ago all the somebodies that nobody knows about people who want no recognition so of course we started recognizing them in our weekly mission minute folks like Alyssa James who ministers to the community by counting the offering every week and sings in the choir and blesses us with a toddler who brings us joy and people like Pam Adler who ministers to the community by helping us learn each other's names I mean who gets those name tags ordered and who puts them away every week folks like Kim McDaniel who ministers to us by preparing communion every month all we know is that somehow there's bread on the communion table every first Sunday well did anyone know how or who did that and folks like Marjorie Walston who comes to the office every week to go through the black pads to record visitors and send a note of welcome it's so important for someone to do that it's terribly dangerous to begin naming people but these are just four examples of extraordinary people like Simon's mother-in-law who do what they can to minister to our community for them and every one of you who does only what you and Jesus may know inside the church and out in the community we thank you we see you 